Welcome to the Dreaming Bigger podcast, a show brought to you by the Fox Magazine. Each month, we bring you the stories of dream chasers out there making it happen. We sit down with entrepreneurs, artists, and innovators from the worlds of photography, food, music, and more to discuss how they get it done while inspiring you to do the same. hard lessons to learn from it are, are one, it takes time. Like it takes time to invest in it. And it's hard to get anybody else to do it except for you at the end of the day, right? Especially as a leader of a brand or a company. And two um, is you have to be shameless about it, to be honest with you. Like you're in the business of marketing and it doesn't mean over marketing per se, but you know, people come to, to, to absorb content and other things because it's weird and it's interesting, right? Not because it's boring and, and you know, it's like part, education part entertainment at the end of the day and so you kind of have to be shameless in that regard and just try to have fun with it you know if you're having fun with it and laughing and enjoying it while also being educational um i think that will that will play well always welcome back to another episode of the dreaming bigger podcast we're really excited we have a very awesome guest today it's going to be a lot of valuable information and today we're joined by Ethan slotkin AKA the shadow CEO, who's been rated as the number one business plan strategist. Ethan is a serial entrepreneur and award-winning business plan strategist. His heavy analytical approach has been key for over 700 new entrepreneurs in 2019 and 2020 alone, helping them package up their business, financial models, presentations, all while teaching them how to be a stellar CEO at the same time. His work has been featured across TV, radio, and conferences worldwide. How are you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing well. I should thank the person who wrote that as well. <laughs> Definitely. That was that was a great bio. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not, not bad. <laughs> but yeah, um, I definitely am excited to have this conversation today. I feel like it'll bring a lot of value to our audience, especially, you know, the ones that are just starting their business or want to start a business and become a CEO one day. So let's just go ahead and dive into it. Let's do it. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Like, where are you from originally and where are you located now? Yeah. Uh, so I'm from New York. Uh, my whole life, I grew up on Long Island. I'm a, a proud New Yorker, although I don't have much of an accent. Um, and you know, even from from growing up, you know, um, I was kind of taught entrepreneurship very early on. Um, and so when I had friends that were, you know, going to work maybe at McDonald's or whatever else, you know, I kind of always wanted to have my own business. And so, you know, that became uh, everything from like burning CDs to I created a tutoring business that had my friends as, as employees to all these kinds of various things. <laughs> wow. So I, I started succeeding and failing early is the point, uh, <laughs> which every entrepreneur has to do. Definitely. Um, and so I, you know, tested a lot of things along the way. And, and these days I find myself uh, in Santa Monica, California. Nice. Nice. And how long have you been out in Santa Monica? Crazy to say, but I've been out here for over over five years at this point, which uh, is, is surprising to even hear that, but <laughs> it's been about five years. Nice, nice. I'm sure it's a little, you know, a little different than New York, the lifestyle and everything. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, it's definitely different. Um, you know, it, obviously, the, you know, there's the, the, the one that people are most familiar with, which is the pacing is, is different, right? New York is turbo speed and, you know, I can't, some things I can't shake shake for me in terms of how fast I talk and, and things like that sometimes. So I have yeah. to catch myself. Um, 
but but there's you know there's differences, right? Like what's so awesome I think about Los Angeles um, is people are wildly creative here, and and so I think in New York, you know, people are also very creative there, but I I, I tend to think you see more expertise within the, the functional and business areas that people are familiar with. Uh, and it, and there's maybe more depth in those areas, but in Los Angeles, there you know there are some people who are coming up with incredible creative next businesses that have a, you know maybe a bit of a wider palette in terms of the kinds of businesses that they're coming up with. Um, so you know I think it's a really good experience for anybody to gain exposure to or live in those two places. So you can kind of get that like core you know financially oriented. New York experience and blending that with the brand and, and creative Los Angeles experience as well. Um, so may, maybe that should be in the CEO curriculum in the future is, is living in these different cities with different different expertises. No, that's a great point. I actually really agree with that too. It'll it'll really test you and just push you to um, achieve greater things, honestly, just being around so many other great people and creative people. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was like the inspiration for you to really, you know, start the shadow CEO? Yeah, it, it was really the people around me, to be honest with you. Um, you know, given my background where I, where I created and iterated, and tested all these different kinds of businesses, you know, I've just seen a lot. And, you know, I came from the consulting world originally. Um, at some point, I was in the corporate world. Turns out. Um, I'm, I'm very good at analyzing businesses quickly and figuring out direction, but I'm not the best corporate citizen. Uh, I'm more of a kind of uh, disruptive entrepreneur. Um, I like to move fast when I think there's opportunities to be able to attack. Um, and I like having that autonomy. And so it was really the merging of those two, right? Which was, I've seen a lot of businesses and I've seen what things work and don't work. Um, and, I, and I think I'm pretty good at rapidly distilling, you know, where to go with a specific business, regardless of the stage. But I also know what it's like being an entrepreneur. Um, and so I like playing that role of being this kind of quiet, you know, quiet person behind the scenes of a founder um, to kind of be their co-pilot and help them in the right direction to make sure that they're good. You know, and that's for, you know, both new CEOs and new entrepreneurs, of which there are many, but then even more developed CEOs and entrepreneurs who, you know, oftentimes they're just too close to their own business and, and they need somebody else to be able to see it objectively or to be able to debate and riff on, on various business ideas and strategies as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, so I know you started, you know, multiple businesses across a few different industries and everything like that. What has been your most successful one you think you started as well as like the most unsuccessful one and what did you learn from that? I know that's kind of like a long-winded question, but I really feel like that'd be a great dialogue. Yeah, I'm going to give you a bit of a funny answer on that one. Um, yeah, as an entrepreneur, it's going to sound a little philosophical, right? But I've had businesses that I kind of, or hypotheses for businesses that I've gone, you know, a few weeks or a month or a month and change down the road on, and decided to terminate. Um, a, I'll give you an example of that, right? Um, when I was in New York, and this is probably like 10, 12 years ago or so, um, I was uh, going out with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and they were from Maine. Uh, needless to say, we would go up and, you know, up and down, um, and I like food a lot, like many people, right? So I saw this opportunity 
um, where I thought there would be uh, you know, great opportunity to have a digital direct lobster meat business. I thought we had access to, to sourcing that was kind of unfair. I knew there was a very high price point and therefore large margins that existed. You just kind of had to figure out the logistics and all those kinds of things, right? So um, what I did was, you know, I, I, I sourced the first supply. I started to blast out some like very simple marketing. I got my first five customers and I literally, you know, and she didn't like this at the time, but I literally dragged a cooler full of lobster meat back to New York, crossing the bridge uh, and hand delivered it to each of the customers after they ordered it <laughs> to be able to go through the experience. Um, you know, this is the ugly side that like many entrepreneurs don't see you have to do in the beginning. You have to do yes, these, the grind. Like, the way people, the grind. Like, some people have heard about it as like, do the unscalable in the beginning and figure out how to scale it. But like, this is maybe a more specific example of what that may look like. And, um, you know, the customers really appreciated it. They were willing to pay for it. They probably would have paid for it again. But what I started to figure out was a couple, and only through going through the exercise was, uh, one is seafood, of course, is highly perishable and comes with potential health concerns, right? If, if you don't take care of it properly. Two is there was some pretty sophisticated warehousing that was required. And the warehousing would strap me to the city where I like having more digital-centric businesses because I like to travel a lot. Um, and three, you also needed a variety of permits and licenses, which were not going to be immediate as well. And only through going down the pathway did I realize that all those things existed. And so... Uh, between that and the fact that I wasn't with my girlfriend anymore at the time, <laughs> I decided to jettison the business and focus on other things. Uh, reason being, you know, we as entrepreneurs or people, we only have a finite amount of time. So there's only so many bullets that you can fire um, at any given time, you know, to to apply to businesses. So if I didn't think that there was an immediate or near term pathway to being successful with that, nor did I think it was going to perfectly fit with my lifestyle, I I'm okay with parking it in, in a very rapid test and moving on to something else. Um, so that, I think that was a pretty good example. Uh, by the way, I, I think there's there was and there probably is still continued opportunity in that area for whatever it's worth. It's just not the business for me. Um, Definitely, you know. And then outside of that, that actually, uh, you know, it had, actually brought like uh, the cousin's main lobster to my mind as well <laughs> <laughs> from like Shark Tank. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Those guys, those guys seem to be killing it, you know. And they think about their business, right? Like all they did was. And it's not simple, but all they did was they created a, a truck, right, and, and and wheeled it out, and they saw that, you know, they strapped a good brand to it, and and they thought they saw that people really like lobster rolls and were willing to pay for it. There, there's a company in New York that did similar called uh, Luke's Lobster, um, who opened up brick and mortar shops instead of food trucks, and they saw that people liked it and they had margin, and then they expanded out, right. In the case of of Cousins, as I'm sure you know, they expanded out to a bunch of different trucks, and I think they have partnerships, and maybe they're even sold and in retail as well, possibly. And I know in the case of Luke's Lobster, they're sold in retail. So, um, you know, simple start, test, see if it works. And if it fails, okay, it fails. And then, you know, a little bit of time, a little bit of money, move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's interesting succeeds, too, because you also mentioned like, it wasn't integrated with your lifestyle. And I think that's a big part of starting a business too, especially if it's something that you see long-term that you're really looking to get the most value out of. It's just something that fits with your lifestyle. So that was a great point that you made. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little embarrassing to say that, like, I didn't realize that in advance. But sometimes you just don't quite know what you're going to feel or uncover until you mm -hmm. actually go and test it out. Um, yeah, I mean, we're always so that evolving was a and, and changing. Yeah, yeah. As an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a serial entrepreneur, right, it's always there's continuity that always exists, right? So it's I, I never think of it as as simply as like um, for me at least, and maybe it's just for my mindset purposes. To be honest with you. 
but as simple as like, I failed in this one or I succeeded in this one, but rather, you know, here's something I tried, here's what I learned from it. And I'm going to take that, that, that knowledge and apply it to the next thing. And it's going to be this like, this overall continuous story that exists, that's going to continue to evolve, right? Even though it may look like it's discrete businesses that exist, which is of course true. Um, but I think it's more of this continuous thread of, of continuing to learn from various things, what you like, what you learn from a skill set standpoint, um, what you learn from a knowledge standpoint, and applying that to whatever the evolution is of that business or the next business or whatever else it is. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, you know, the other thing, as I'm sure you know, is, I mean, if you quote unquote fail or you view it as failing, you know, if you're a business, you know, for any entrepreneur, as they look at their friends who are not entrepreneurs around them, right? Like their friends, they're going to perceive that their friends are looking at them and directly associating their business as their identity, basically, right? right? So needless to say, they're going to ask questions and more so they're not going to, un- going to understand why you haven't succeeded or, or you ran into problems. They, they don't understand or appreciate that necessarily. And that could be really humbling and embarrassing, frankly, as an entrepreneur. Um, and so I think for that reason alone, to, to kind of take it with like a lighter and wider approach and just say, you know, I'm evolving. And, you know, these days, like for me, you know, I laugh at that lobster business or others, like as I talk to my friends about it, I just kind of laugh at it. And I say, you know what, like, in baseball, it's not so bad to hit 400 or 500. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good, a pretty good ratio. Like every entrepreneur is going to fail at something. It's, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely, that's a great point. I love the analogy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so, I kind of want to move on to just how all these strategies come into place and distributing them and everything like that. So, with social media. Obviously, it's a big part, you know, of what we do in business and how we communicate with the world. So in terms of like communication, sharing information, do you think that this will like change and continue to evolve or we're more so going to um, try different methods for getting our ideas out there? How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, all of the data suggests, right, that we're spending more time on our phones and that's cross-generational, right? Um, so, so I don't think that's going to structurally change. I think what's going to change is the different platforms are going to change, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was originally it was Facebook and then it was Instagram and, you know, Twitter. And then eventually it's, you know, TikTok and Triller and all those kinds of things, right? Clubhouse. Uh, so I think that the, you know, the, the channels are going to change in terms of what they are, and some evolutionary twist, but conceptually it's not going to change, right? The, the concept is still stand out from the crowd. And, and the only way you could do that is by being very present and, and reminding people, much like why large brands put ads on TV, right? It's to remind you that they exist and shed good light on them, right? So as a human, as a personal brand, I do think in the past couple of years, regardless of what business you have, the, hu- the humanization of the businesses and like the person or people behind them has become more relevant now. People are buying from people, I, I find, more oftentimes more than just a general brand. But I think conceptually it's similar. And so I think as an entrepreneur, you know, I think the question is, is what's the best bang for your buck? And I think if somebody put this to me pretty simply in the past, and I think it's pretty true, is you kind of have two options that exist. I think it's either one, you go to the larger scale channels and you probably have to spend money because you get less organic reach in those places, right? So you have to spend money on ads and pushing. Or two is you can go to more of the emerging channels and get there early. At which point you have more organic reach because they're trying to build their platform, and so you could tackle those early, right? But you know, oftentimes with those, 
you don't have a lot of time to think about it. You've got to jump in right away um, to be able to get that reach and, and build with the platform. Also, you know, there's only so many channels that you can hit. So I do think the concept of, of you know, content marketing in all definitions, be it video, be it photos, be it articles, you know, I think that's here to stay. You know, it's gotten a little bit noisy lately. And, and I think it's in, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves also, right? Especially as you bring like AR and VR into the mix and, and, and things like that. You know, the definition and the style is going to change a little bit, but uh, I don't think the concept is, is really going to change. Absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, the Really, the reason why I wanted to ask that question, too, is just to make our audience understand and kind of help them realize, like, social media is a very important aspect of it, business. Like, whether it's um, a brand or your own personal brand, like, it's it's pretty important these days to be on there just for reaching potential customers or, you know, even investors at this point. <laughs> so, You're right. If they don't, if they don't know about you, they can't do anything and take the action that you want them to take. And you know, the things, the things, like the hard lessons to learn from it are, are one: it takes time. Like it takes time to invest in it, and it's hard to get anybody else to do it except for you at the end of the day, right? Especially as a leader of a brand or a company, for sure. And two um, is you have to be shameless about it. To be honest with you, like you're in the business of marketing, and it doesn't mean over marketing per se, but you know. People come to, to, to absorb content and other things because it's weird and it's interesting, right? Not because it's boring and, and, you know, it's like part education, part entertainment at the end of the day. And so you kind of have to be shameless in that regard and just try to have fun with it. You know, if you're having fun with it and laughing and enjoying it while also being educational, um, I think that will, that will play well always. Definitely. Man, I'm liking the conversation so, so far. I think we're dropping some gems. You more specifically. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, that's my job here, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Definitely doing your job right now. Um, so to transition a little bit, um, I really want to focus on like the business plan um, strategy too, and just being a strategist of business plans. I mean, I, I just wanted your opinion. Like, do you think business plans are vital for a business, whether like you're just starting one or you're already you've already started it, or at what point should someone absolutely develop a business plan? How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think it depends on the person and I think it depends on the form, to be honest with you, right? If you're somebody who's not very structured, um, then I do think going through the exercise of creating a business plan might be very useful, especially if you're also, you know, maybe a first-time entrepreneur and don't have a, a you know formal business background, it's going to be less intuitive to you, right? Creating something. Um, but I think the other interesting element is the form. Um, you know, I think a formal business plan, right, which tends to be oftentimes like a larger document that has detail and financial models and all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, unless you're trying to present to investors and raise money, you know, you may need documents and, and other materials to be able to share with them so they know it's a legitimate business that's well thought out, all those kinds of things, right? But if you're not doing that, and I do oftentimes try to encourage, if possible, not raising money. Um, so that way, you know, you're not dependent and you can kind of scrap your way to, to build up your own business. And it's also, you know, it's never easy to raise, raise money. It takes time and energy distracting you from the core business. So, um, in some cases, businesses have to do it, but if you don't, you know, you may not need a, a fully formal packaged business plan that has the same level of polish that one that's, that's used or is one that's used for presenting to outside investors, right? More so, what you need oftentimes is the exercise of going through and thinking through the specific financials and unit economics and working through all those kinds of things. 
um, whether it's like thoroughly packaged and codified or not. So I think in all cases, you have to do some version of it because you need to really kick the tires and make sure you understand all the detail on the full landscape and all those things. It's just a question of how polished it has to be at the end of the day. And you know, I, th- I do think over time as entrepreneurs, it becomes more intuitive to us, to be honest with you. Yes, absolutely. I love that answer. Very in-depth. <laughs> well, oh, thank you. Um, what do you think is the most important thing for a CEO to know? Yeah. Hands down, numbers. Got, got to know your numbers inside and out. And, and let me be specific when I talk about numbers, because I think a lot of people say numbers. Let's be real specific here, okay? Mm-hmm. At the very least, you need to understand unit economics that exist. And so unit economics basically are price, variable costs. So like how much it costs you to deliver a product or service um, and what those economics look like. Therefore, how much profit you're going to make per unit, right? And the reason you need to understand that is, is because you can understand very, very quickly, are there very thin margins that exist in your business or are there wide margins that exist? Because again, if you think about your business from a wider perspective, those are not going to be the only costs you have in your business. So if you have really thin margins and you have other expenses to run the business, including team and you know, office or, or real estate or whatever else it is, you're going to need to sell a lot of those units if they're small margin to be able to overcome that and make sure your business is making a profit. Whereas if your margins are wider, like in the example of the lobster business, uh, and I didn't have a whole lot of real estate if I if I taken that business forward, um, you know, we would not have to sell as much and we could have a very, very healthy business very fast as long as we, you know, we solved it. Um, the reason it's important to also understand that is it gives you a very immediate answer in your head of what things you can do to affect both the revenue and the cost side of the economics as well. Um, so really understanding that, uh, so the unit economics and then the overall kind of co- cost and revenue structure in your business is, is number one. And then I think what's going to naturally link into that is what does the competitive landscape look like, right? So what are other people charging for? Not the exact thing that you're doing, but like other solutions, right? Having a really good pulse on the numbers and what that picture looks like, how many people are in the market that, that might be looking for a product or service like this. I think that's going to vary rapidly for any single business you come up with. It's going to rapidly tell you how good of a business it is and where this thing could go. Even without running, running the full numbers, even without building out the full business plan, I think you'll have a pretty good sense pretty fast. Absolutely. Definitely. Agree. Okay, so regarding that, do you have any like tools or suggestions that someone could look at to get a better handle on their numbers or just to get a better handle on the whole variable cost, margins, everything? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, every single day, we're, we're in a pretty cool world, right? In 2021, you know, every single day, I run into things that I don't know the answer to, or I, or I have to research or take a class on or whatever it is. Like every single day I'm learning something. And, Same here. <laughs> you know, we have, you know, it, honestly, like it's, it's humbling at times, right? Because just when you think you have the hang of something, you're like, you know, oh, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, like, so much more. You know, <laughs> there's this whole big thing. Exactly. Um, I, to be honest, I just go to some combination of YouTube, you know, like something like Udemy or Coursera. Um, I oftentimes use my network as well, right? So if it's informal network like Quora, where you can ask questions, or if it's directly to my network where I look for like a subject matter expert. Uh, I've also hired tutors at time. So like subject matter experts who can have calls with me and we can dissect certain things. I've tried all of those things before, to be honest with you. Um, awesome. 
and I think it, I think it kind of depends on the personality. Like for me, for instance, um, I, I don't like detailed word, you know, word documents and things like that. Like I don't, I don't like to read a lot because I don't absorb it as well. I like video um, or having a conversation with somebody. So, you know, that's just me and my personal preference. But for other people, I'm sure there are loads of articles about any given topic that exists that would teach you too, or right? just personal preference at that point. Definitely. No, that's awesome. Definitely uh, good resources there too. So when it comes to success, you know, what does success mean to you? What are some of your rules for success? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's a combination of a few things, right? Like we all, no matter how we want to slice it, we all have some monetary need that exists, right? And that's not just from a sustenance level, which I'll talk about in a second, but it's also you have goals to be able to get to some kind of uh, you know, financial comfort, whatever the definition of that goal, right, is. And that could be $50,000, $100,000, million, $10 million, whatever the definition is for any given person, right? So everyone has that kind of a goal. I- I'm, I've always subscribed to the fact that there's, you know, the data that I think many of us have seen, right, which is you don't have a materially different lifestyle or change once you hit a certain point, right? Like that, your, your happiness level does not materially, materially change. But you do need comfort to know that you can you can live, right? That also affords you the chance to take chances. So I think there's, for, you know, for, for everyone, for me, like, there's some financial metric that, that I want to make sure I'm always going to be above and, and protected by. Um, but then there's the other side of it too, right? Which is, um, I want to feel challenged. That, that to me is successful. If I were just sitting around or, you know, this is going to sound a little bit funny and weird, but if I just won you know, a, a billion dollar lottery today, right? And I collected it. I'm a little bit scared of that concept, to be honest with you. Um, uh, because I feel like it would a little bit demotivate. And I like having the, the challenge and, and continuously working towards and building new things, to be honest with you, building new businesses and, and going down the pathway. Uh, so as funny as that sounds, like having the challenge is good. And then also having an impact. Um, you know, I, for, for myself at least, I spend like, you know, 20, 30% of my time building my own businesses on the side. And um, the only businesses that I'll ever create are ones that will have some kind of impact, economic impact, right? So um, an, an, an impact that I actually believe in at the end of the day. So it's a, it's a dead set criteria for me of success is that I want to attach to things that make an impact in some way. And, you know, there's, as you know, like there's, there's a whole lot of definition for that, right? Like there's so many ways one could make an impact that there's, there's no right answer, right? Everybody's different. Um, but for me, if I have that, and then I have family and, and everyone's healthy, um, and and also caveat, as long as I can travel as well, uh, that's a huge part of my life and, and travel and, and understand culture. For sure, uh, that seems like a pretty good setup for me. No, I love that. Those are great, great rules for success. I mean, I like that you even pointed out the fact that it's like not necessarily about financial success. Of course, you want to be comfortable and be able to live off of your work, but at the end of the day. It's about you, you being happy. And I think you really express that and kind of what it means and how to achieve that for at least you, you know? Yeah, I think there's also a lot of, because, because like this ties back to your comment earlier, right? Because there's all you know, so much social media these days and, and everything, right? There's so much pressure that exists, you know, for everybody, but then certainly entrepreneurs that see all these people who have been, you know, uber successful or, you know, or, flexing online or whatever else Definitely. it is, much of which is not true, by the way, right? And it's complete nonsense in, in a lot of cases. And and they feel the pressure that they have to do the same. But 
nobody else defines what your metric is for, for success. Only you define that. So for some people, you know, having a business that generates $100,000 a year would be awesome and fantastic, especially if it's something that they love to do and they really value, right? Um, and for other people, you know, they care more about just making money. They don't care what they do. All they care about is that they have a $50 million business. That's it. I don't care what it is as long as it's that, right? There's no right answer, right? It's, it's, it's a completely personal answer. And I think, you know, the biggest takeaway for me, and I was fortunate to get this lesson, um, you know, when I was in, when I was in grad school, but, um, you know, I kind of learned it too, which is, uh, is, is to kind of be very real with yourself in terms of what it is you care about at the end of the day. And don't let anybody else dictate that. Everyone has their own waiting at the end of the day of what really matters. For sure. That's great. That's a quotable right there. <laughs> That's a quote. <laughs> that's a secondary. That's a secondhand quote. I think you're getting that I'm botching a little <laughs> bit from from my professor. Hey, it still works. <laughs> no, that's great. So uh, referring back to you know just inspiration, you know we're all about inspiration at the Fox Magazine. That's really like what our main purpose is, and my main purpose as an entrepreneur as well. I want to inspire you know the world, and. I feel like there's different people, different things that come along the way that inspire you throughout your journey. What has been the biggest inspiration for you? Like who or what has been the biggest inspiration? Yeah. um, I mean, a little bit trite, but like my parents certainly were, right? They were the ones who got me down the entrepreneurial path to begin with. Um, Are they entrepreneurs as well? Journey looks... Uh, yes, and my dad especially, um, and and so you know what I do is different, but it doesn't look completely different than what it is he does. And being able to watch what that model was like certainly helped me go down that pathway. But then I I see other people around me as well, right? And you, you watch watch what they do, and and you know we could say this in Los Angeles, but even outside of Los Angeles, one could say it, right? Everyone's heard the war stories of you know, what Kobe Bryant was like when he was playing basketball and how he was in it in the gym at 4 a.m. every single day and how he went about his craft and all those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I think there's balance. I just want to call out, I think there is such a thing as, as too much and overwork that exists because you could burn out, especially as an entrepreneur. But I think that the focus and dedication to the craft that he exhibited and, and, and how much he cared about it, you know, I think was was really admirable too. And so, yeah, you know, rest in peace to Kobe and Gigi, by the way. Yeah, rest in peace to those guys. Uh, you know, such a big impact to people, right? And you could tell that so many people appreciated that. Uh, uh, you know, about him and, and them, sure. right? That, that giving the impact, but great lessons. Lucky to have those lessons, but great lessons that came from them. Definitely, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I, I would say it's along the same lines for me. I mean, not having entrepreneurial parents, but just having your parents like really give you that push to get started to really think about what you want to do for yourself and not just what other people expect you to do, you know? You're right. You're right. And and, and in all cases, it it helps to have have those parents that are supportive of whatever your decisions are at the end of the day, right? And it's not easy. We we hear we all hear those 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 stories that exist of people who had to kind of convince their parents, right? And and the parents weren't too into it in in the beginning. So it was a little bit for me too, but (laughs) (laughs) it worked out. Yeah. Good on you. Good on you. (laughs) I'm glad that, that they were, you know, able to come around and support because you kind of need that, like, you know, regardless of the definition, right. of, of, Of what kind of entrepreneur you are, like having that support system is just, 
I don't know, it's crucial. And where else is it going to come initially, but from there, right? From, from family. So absolutely, uh, it's great that you, you got that. Absolutely. So what's, uh, what's something people will be surprised to learn about you? I'm curious to hear this question. Being an entrepreneur, I mean, there's so many stories and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, surprise. So, so people oftentimes, um, I, I, when I went to college and went to grad school, um, I paid my way through playing poker and teaching poker. Um, so people always find that super interesting, but what I think is actually more interesting about that, to be honest with you, because I think a lot of people could do that if they spent the time, what I actually think is a little bit more interesting than that is, um, is the fact that I, how I try to apply it to every day with business. Um, and that I try to not get, so, so for anybody that's played, you know, that's played poker before, right. Um, and whether you play, if you've ever played, for stakes that you care about in any regard, right? Where you really don't want to lose the money, right? Not <laughs> like sure. you're going to lose all your money, right? But 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 you care a lot about it, right? You want to win. You know what it kind of feels like. <laughs> you want to win. Yeah, you definitely want to win more than more than you want to lose. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and you know you've been in that that situation where you do almost everything right, and even though you you make all these right decisions and and you get your money good, and you wind up losing anyway. Right, like you did everything that was in your control possible, and the other person just gets lucky on you, and that's that. Right, um, that's like the very concept that I try to apply every single day. Um, you know, when I'm working on businesses and various things, which is, you know, I'm only I can only control what I can control, right? Which is the decisions that I have on my side. Um, the rest I can't do anything about at that point, right? So it's okay to you know control as much as you can possibly control, right? Because then you can actually point it in the right direction. But at some point, you have to release and you can't control it anymore. So when those situations happen, like you know the number of times when I used to play where I had my money in, in good in the pod and I was 90% to win or 95% to win and I lost. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> when that happens to you so many times you know, throughout playing, fortunately, over time, you kind of get numb to it because you know, if that happens 100 times, 90 of them I'm going to win, right? But, but still, 10% I'm not, right? There's no way around it. Uh, over time, that kind of makes you numb a little bit. What it does more the better. Uh, so that way, you're not affected by the outcomes. But you just say, "Did I make the right decisions? Did I make the right plays and the right calls?" Yes. Okay. Then you know, did, did I make the right bet sizing? Meaning, like, did I not bet more than I could afford to lose? Be it for poker or be it for the business? Yes. Okay. Then I'm okay with it. I made peace with it. There's nothing else I could have done, and I'm on my way. You know, where I get annoyed more and frustrated more with myself is is if I didn't make a, a great decision, right? Not that we're not human. Like we, we, you know, we can only do the best, the best we can do, right? And we're always trying. But if there's something I could have caught that that I didn't catch, either because I wasn't studied up enough or whatever else, that's where I get a little bit more frustrated myself. Not so much the outcomes, which which you can't control. Great point. I like that. But that's also just. Awesome that you got so pro skill at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too many hours, too many hours playing. My 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 friends in college and otherwise could attest to that when I was either on my computer or or elsewhere, uh, and probably not doing a good enough job of hanging out or whatever else it is. <laughs> hey, but you were still making money, and that's still great. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, I really appreciate you hopping on the Dreaming Bigger podcast. I just have one more question that I really want to ask you. Um, 
what is your favorite or original innovation related motto or quote or just words that you live by, especially when it comes to, you know, business? You know, actually, as I'm thinking about it, um, I don't know if I could pinpoint a specific person that said this at the end of the day, um, as much as, you know, at least a couple of people have said it. And I think it really rings true, which is, look, you know, you and I, we're, we're talking to entrepreneurs and prospective entrepreneurs, right? Um, and especially for prospective entrepreneurs, you know, this concept of just not being afraid to fail is, I think, is a really important one, right? Like the quicker you can you can get comfort, and if you know you're going to be an entrepreneur for a longer period of time, right? The quicker you can get comfort with the fact that you are going to quote unquote fail with things, um, the less it's going to bother you up because you're going to worry about the repercussions. Like you have to get to this point where you see that there's an opportunity that exists. And yes, you're going to study it. And yes, you're going to analyze it and make sure it's good, right? That is your job after all. Um, but you're not, you're not scared to put the chips in when the opportunity is right, even if it means you're going to fail. And I think, I, you know, I, I think you need to, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, need to get comfortable with that idea. You're going to fail sometimes. Every single day, you know, something doesn't go according to what, you know, how I had it planned, to be honest with you. So like you could define mm-hmm. that maybe in a wide definition of quote unquote failing, right? Um, and that's going to happen every single day, especially as an entrepreneur, right? As an entrepreneur, you're off on your own pretty much. You know, you're, you're, you're starting or building things, you know, either it's you by yourself or as a solopreneur or it's you with a team, but you're the one who sees the whole picture and you're doing 10, 20, 30 things a day, right? Over and over and over and over. And that's smaller things like tasks. That's wider things like, you know, choosing the direction of the business and the general strategy for something or for several parts of the business. You're going to fail at things. Things are not going to work out exactly as planned. And, you know, you kind of just have to get comfortable with that and know that um, you're making the best decision you could at the time and just trust the fact that you can always adapt and that, it's not going to affect you. Uh, the, the quicker you can get comfortable with that fact, the more you're going to be comfortable pulling the trigger. And the faster you're comfortable, the faster that you're comfortable pulling the trigger, the faster you're going to get to more successes and wins. I love that. I agree for sure. That's a great. That's a great mindset, motto, quote, everything to live by. Also, if anybody ever wants comfort, you know, because they think they're the only one that failed, drop me a line and I'll come up with something that I failed in that day. I'm happy, happy to share. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Well, with that being said, Ethan, where can people find you? Yeah, at? you know, you can come to my website. It's just ethanslotkin.com. You know, and when your name is Ethan Slotkin, it's not so hard getting assets, um, <laughs> like URLs. Uh, or you know, they can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Ethan Slotkin. I'm a little bit less active on social these days, um, so if they want to reach out, uh, website or you know, or contact on there is, is certainly a way. Awesome. Well, you heard him connect with them, drop them a line if you have any questions or, you know, just anything you want to talk about. Yeah, get in contact. Ethan, thank you again. It's been awesome having you on the Dreaming Bigger podcast. It's been a great conversation. Definitely some gems are dropped. So I hope people pick them up. (laughs) Episode two. Thanks so much for having me. This is the Dreaming Bigger podcast, an original production by The Fox Magazine. Thank you for tuning in and remember to dream bigger with us.